Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Well, we do have some serious digital matters to look at today, but we can't resist starting off with some admittedly serious, but also hilarious, recent research. Here on the Electronic Cottage, we've mentioned in the past that there's an increasing effort by smartphone and computer manufacturers to include biometric identification techniques as part of electronic device security. We mentioned that researchers, and for all we know, bad people, have successfully fooled fingerprint scanners by using digitized fingerprint images to print gummy bear-like copies of fingerprints using 3D printers that can unlock smartphones. Facial recognition is the next step up in security efforts, but it turns out that a lot of phones can't tell the difference between a real face and a good photo of one. So, once that became clear, Google hustled off and filed a patent application for, quote, liveness checks, end quote. In other words, for making a person use a facial movement, like blinking an eye, before a phone would open. It took someone about an hour to animate a photo that fooled the phone's facial recognition sensors. The latest security effort is to use a swipe motion as the key to unlocking a phone. So, some researchers decided to see what they could do about spoofing that security idea. They collected samples of swipes across the face of a phone from about 40 people and used that information to build a swipe algorithm. And here's the fun part. They then built a little robot out of Legos using a kit that anyone can buy at a toy store and added a finger made out of Play-Doh. And then they had it swipe some smartphones. Guess what? Using that generic wipe algorithm gathered from only 40 people and their play robot, they opened 70% of the phones that they tried. And if they were able to match a recorded swipe pattern from a specific user with that user's own phone, Mr. or Ms. Robot, they didn't report on the robot's gender, opened an amazing 90% of test phones. So, let's tally this up. A $600 smartphone and a very expensive patent versus about 50 bucks or so of toys and Play-Doh that anyone could pick up anywhere. Looks like it may be back to the drawing board once again for biometric security efforts. Which brings us to the real topic of today's program, quantum computing. If there's any chance that you can stop doing what you're doing for a minute or two, that might be a good idea. Quantum computing takes a bit of concentration. Well, no, it takes a whole lot of concentration to wrap one's head around. At least it does here at the Electronic Cottage. A bit of history. Back in 1965, Gordon Moore, founder of Fairchild Semiconductor, predicted that the number of components on an integrated circuit would double every year. Ten years later, he amended that prediction a bit to every two years. Over time, the generally accepted idea that computing power doubles every 18 months turned out to be pretty true all the way up till, oh, 2012. But that amazing increase in the power of computers has been slowing for a number of reasons in the recent past. Gordon Moore himself, in an interview in the IEEE Spectrum magazine in 2015, said, quote, 
we won't have the rate of progress that we've had over the last few decades. I think that's inevitable with any technology. It eventually saturates out. I guess I see Moore's Law dying here in the next decade or so, but that's not surprising. End quote. But now, there's a new computing phenomenon that may revive, in fact, may blow away the measly doubling of computer power by orders of magnitude in the next decade. In early May of 2016, IBM announced that it's making available to potential users a cloud-based quantum computer that people can try out. This is big news. Quantum computing offers a huge increase in potential computing power. And we're not talking about trivial numbers like doubling computer power. We're talking about relatively modest-sized quantum processors that could be built in the next decade. The initial sample quantum computer that IBM is making available via the web uses just 5 qubits for processing, a very small capability, but proof that such a computer can be made. We'll talk about qubits in a minute. IBM suggests that a quantum computer that employs 50 qubits for processing could not be emulated by any of the world's 500 top supercomputers that exist today. A 50 to 100 qubit quantum computer would be considered just medium-sized. Whoa! So what could we do with this quantum computing power if quantum computers can be built? Some articles about the possibility of quantum computing suggest that it could mean the end of currently available cryptographic coding. All current cryptography is based on the premise that if you make a code mathematically complex enough, based on prime number factorization, it would take existing computers years, sometimes many years, to decode, and so it makes code breaking, practically speaking, impossible. In theory, quantum computers could break the best cryptographic codes that exist now in days, or weeks at the most. This is pretty disturbing news to those who understand that encryption is essential in today's digital world for everything from banking to government security. But just as quantum computers could break codes, they could also make codes, codes that would be more secure than anything we've known to date. Other possible uses? Well, since quantum computers are actually dealing with the building blocks of matter on a very small scale, a quantum mechanical scale, they may make it much more possible to understand nature at the submicroscopic level. And since we humans are part of nature, there's the promise of understanding ourselves on a cellular and even molecular level much better than we can today, which could have huge benefits for medicine. And we don't even have to talk about how much more powerful things like artificial intelligence and data mining could become. These possibilities are no longer just science fiction. They're now possible in the not-too-distant future. Oh, right, qubits. We need to look at qubits and how they work, since that's the source of the tremendous power of quantum computing. And we'll do that, as best we can anyway, right here on a future edition of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.